This episode is about an organization that provides contraception to women. So if you have young ones in the car or people who you really don't want to have that discussion with or aren't ready to hear about that at 7 a.m. perhaps, then maybe listen to this episode later or put your headphones in. Thanks, guys. You are listening to the Dabble Co. Podcast. I'm your host, nurse practitioner, Claire O'Brien. In healthcare, we have so many questions about what's trending versus what's actually the truth. So on this show, we're going to get to the bottom of it. It's health, it's wellness, it's beauty, explained by the people who actually know what they're talking about. Hey guys, welcome back to the Dabble Co. Podcast. I am your host, nurse practitioner, Claire O'Brien. And today I have Sarah Kelly with me. She is the COO of a South Carolina nonprofit called New Morning. And New Morning is is truly incredible. I went to an event for them the other night and learned so much more about them. But their whole goal and mission is to provide women with no-cost or low-cost contraceptive services. And Sarah, under Sarah's guidance and, and strategies, they have delivered over 450,000 of these services since 2017. So she's a, a busy, busy lady. And I'm so glad that she's here. But I just felt like this was something that was really important that I, I wanted to talk about. So Sarah, thank you so much for taking the time to come on and chat with me today. Oh, thank you for having me, Claire. Okay, tell everybody a little bit about yourself and just intro the organization. I I am new to learning about it, and so I you know I won't do it justice, but I know that that you will. Sure, sure, happy to. Um, so as um, Claire said, I'm Sarah Kelly, and I've been with New Morning um, for about eight and a half years full time at this point, and um, I've been in several different positions, but for the past few years, I have overseen all of the operations at New Morning and. That includes everything from our um, implementation of the program to the evaluation and monitoring work that we do and our um, training. And so we have a a small but mighty team um, that works on this uh, program day in and day out. And I've been very fortunate to be a part of this um, from the get-go, which has been really exciting. Um, And New Morning has recently within the past seven years stepped into the space of what we call statewide contraceptive access initiatives. Uh, We're one of several Mm -hmm. across the United States. But we actually have a long history of work in South Carolina. Uh, New Morning started in 2002 and really was focused then on teen births because back in the day, um, South Carolina had a very high rate of teen births. And If you give birth as a teen, that can be associated with a lot of negative things like not graduating from high school, not making um, a certain amount of money to to live off of and thrive, um, even some negative health outcomes. And so when we started out really looking at that, the goal was to do school-based projects to boost education around sex and contraception and all those things, and also to connect children who needed it to care. So um, we did those school demonstration projects for a while. Mm -hmm. And then our board was really thinking about the strategic direction of New Morning and decided that it wasn't enough to just focus on teens. We really needed to look at the full range of reproductive age. 
and recognize that people, even in their 20s, 30s, 40s, could have significant barriers to getting the birth control that they need. Yeah, it's it's crazy. And I please correct me if I'm wrong. I was just talking to a friend about this. I believe they teach abstinence only in the South Carolina public school system. Is that correct? That that's the, that's the sex education that our kids are It doing? actually Is depends. Right? So the Comprehensive Health Education Act was passed in 1988. So we are the same age. Mm-hmm. <laughs> And that's how long it has been since it was updated. <laughs> and and let me just pause here. And you said back in the day, which was 2002. And I was like, literally kill me. That's I, if that's back in the day, just I, I'm going to the top of the Ravenel. So I just want to yeah, put that out right. there. Well, I mean, it is scary to think of a public policy that hasn't been updated in like that long that still pertains to that's fair, right, fair. the, the, um, you know, education of our children. And so in that policy, there is something that talks about sex education. And essentially, it is up to the school to decide. So they do have the option to teach like an evidence-based sex education curriculum. Um, Okay. Okay. They have the mm -hmm. option. It's based on like, what's your county vote or something? Who is even like deciding this? And I I just want to say to really like, not that I think teaching abstinence to teenagers, kids, whatever is like, not, I'm not saying I'm not like anti teaching abstinence is obviously the most effective way to not get pregnant. But I mean, I just think about I have a friend who was taught that in her Catholic high school, and then she got pregnant the first time she had sex because she literally didn't know. So I'm like mortified. There's yeah. just anyway, ca- carry on. Sorry. Yeah. So how, how do they even decide in in each individual school who gets to teach yeah what? so there's a I can't remember the official name of it it's losing it's escaping me right now but there's a group of people that is usually parents and you know educators uh-huh. that decide what the content is going to be and it's not uncommon for that group that is selected so it's not like elected or anything like that it's not that it's not quite that formal. But it's not okay. uncommon for those groups to have overrepresentation for people who are more pro abstinence education, because it's yeah. it's not a very transparent process in a lot of ways. Um, certainly, if you're a parent at a school and your child is, you know, in a public school, I definitely get involved with that. If you're interested in your child having um, comprehensive health education, which does include abstinence, it should include abstinence. It should include. It should, you know, yeah, sure. Every ab- abstinence works for those people who use it. Obviously, it's the most effective form, like you said, to prevent pregnancy and STIs. But children need to know about other options too, and teens, so that they can um, make you know informed decisions. Okay, so so in and this is a South Carolina organization, but I would imagine, and you said there are several organizations throughout the country that have kind of similar programs. And what I thought was really neat that I learned about you guys the other night was that you're actually teaching in nursing schools and any medical schools or anything like that, like how to how to insert. So they're called LARCs, which is long acting. What, what's the art? Reversible Re- contraceptives. Contra- yeah. Reversible <laughs> LARCs. Um, so that would be like your IUD, your implant, implants, mm-hmm. things like that, that you may not get any practice on in, in nursing school or NP or yeah. it would really be like NPs and PAs. I, I think that would be inserting them. Right. But you may not get the chance to do that in any of your clinical rotations or anything like that. So you guys are actually going in and teaching the teachers 
how to teach it. Is that right? Yes, yes. So we had a partnership with four colleges of nursing, and that was USC, MUSC, Francis Marion, and Clemson. And um, one of the things that we identified before we even began our project was that there was a lack of training and education for providers. And we looked at ways to increase the training um, for people who are practicing in the field, but also for people who you know, have not yet gone into their professional field but are still in school. And what we learned really was that the education that was being given to nurses in particular was lacking. It wasn't really up to date. Um, mm-hmm. you know, they were talking about outdated methods. It didn't have quite enough about contraceptive counseling and that there wasn't really any instruction on how to do um, LARCs, as you mentioned. And so we started working with these colleges in 2017 and each of them had their own kind of spin on it. Like a couple of the colleges have sim labs mm-hmm. that they were able to use to practice the insertions. And we had almost a thousand nursing students that went through this program with us. And we ended our like formal partnership in 2020, because at that point, the colleges said, you know, we don't, we don't need any more money to keep doing this. We, it's part of our curriculum now, it's a standard. So they're continuing to do that. And we decided to take some of that energy and money and time and look at how to train medical residents uh, because Mm -hmm. the same issue was happening. They weren't getting the instruction in school, and so they weren't doing the skill because they didn't know how to do it. Um, They didn't feel comfortable, and so we have been um, training medical residents for a few years now, both OBGYN and family medicine. And and I'm sure there are people listening that are just thinking because this is kind of the, what I initially thought I was like I mean yeah just go to the, go to your OB go to your OBGYN. There are counties in South Carolina that do not have an OBGYN in the entire county. Can you imagine? And then you, you were talking about the women who are particularly at risk. You know, if you think about your young women, maybe low income, we don't know the education level. And how are they getting, you know, let's say you're in, um, is it Williamsburg County, where there's no still no OB? I'm trying to think of where that it's like King Street, whatever mm-hmm. county that is there. There was a, a long period of time where there was no OB care up there. But that's like an hour at least from yeah. Charleston. So what do you I mean, what are you doing? You're taking expensive transportation there? I mean, is there even public transportation? And you're finding a OB there. I mean, so all that to say, it's it's really important for primary care providers, particularly in a rural area, to be able to put these in appropriately for, you know, their patients that mm-hmm. need it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm so glad you're highlighting this issue because one of the things that we do work on is making sure that we have at least one clinical partner. That's what we refer to the clinics that we work with in each county. Um, Some of these counties are Mm -hmm. very, very rural and don't have a large population and might not even have a large population of people of reproductive age. Um, But nonetheless, it's important that they have a place to go when they need birth control that doesn't require them to travel long distances. And also, there's something to be said about getting a service that is local to you, right? You might feel more comfortable going to somewhere local. It, It would be easier for you to go. Some of these communities don't have things like Uber and Lyft. And, and whenever I talk to people... Right, like literally, how would you 
get from King Street to right. Charleston. Like if you didn't have transportation, how the hell are you getting here? I do I legitimately don't know. Yeah, yeah. We talked to people. Um, so we have a, a full-time patient advocate and her entire job is mm-hmm. to answer the phone, either text or call and help people figure out the answers to these questions. And so we will have to talk to them about, like, is there a local cab service? Can you get a ride? Can you borrow a car? You know, and all of those things on top of the other issues that they might be experiencing, like lack of child care, you know, like you said, lack of education. So it's it's difficult out there for people to get high quality, you know, any health care, really, but birth control services in particular. And then we open the can of worms about insurances. There and forgive me, I don't even know who passed the law and what the law was that basically said, you know, if you work for a large corporation that they have the ability to say, okay, our insurance plan is not going to cover birth control or, you know, something like that. And, and so then they may not even be able to get it on their insurance. And the, the, the long actings are, they're expensive. And then kind of going back to the rural thing, like, I don't know if you'll, if you're listening and you've had an IUD put in before you had a child, painful is an understatement. Like I remember thinking is this can't the I I this is actually not real. Like this is not it was so painful I thought surely they like forgot to to give me an anesthetic and there was an OB at the talk where I met you that was saying actually they've looked at different methods of pain control and it just nothing really is is mm. helpful so that's kind of why they like they just don't even really try, which I get, but it's still, I mean, it's, it's, I mean, excruciating is the only word to to explain it. Now, once you've had a a kid, your anatomy is different and it was actually not bad, but, um, yeah, I mean, so you could be on public transportation or in a lot of pain and maybe you shouldn't be driving afterwards. I know a lot of women who take, have someone that drives them to the appointment. I don't know where I was going with that. I feel like I got (laughs) so Well, it's such a good point though. Um, I mean, the, you know, the, the note about pain, I think we all understand that women's pain is not taken seriously. You know, women are left to suffer right. and um, oftentimes have to undergo painful procedures or their pain is ignored. And when you're talking about a lark, I mean, I've had two lark insertions and I've never had a child and they're very painful. And um, yeah, it, it's, it's, a, it's a painful experience, which is why shocking. it is shocking. It is very shocking. And it's, it's so important that you have a provider who will actually counsel you about that and like like tell you honestly what it's going to feel like. And not for everyone, right? Some people don't have the pain. Some people have minimal pain. But it's very important that you know in advance the last thing you want to surprise a patient with is unexplained pain. And and two, as you mentioned, that, you know, the OBGYN that was at the talk that we went to, and she said, you know, there has been research done, they've tried different things. And, you know, in my mind, it's not, it's not over until you find the solution. You need to keep looking. Like the things you thought would work didn't work. Yeah. But there has to be something out there. Let's find something else. Yeah. Yeah. Even some dumb laughing gas or something. Like, <laughs> I mean, yeah. shock, shocking. Oh, I know where my brain was going with that because let's say your insurance doesn't cover it, they're expensive. And when you when you break down the cost, like let's say a Mirena costs, I, I'm gonna, I'm like totally making this up, but I think it's somewhere between you. You probably know exactly. I'm gonna say what seven seven or eight hundred bucks. Let's just make totally make that number. It's up. about nine hundred, yeah. And if you break it down, not okay, nine hundred. Let's call it a thousand for the sake of math. See, so 
break that down over, you know, they can last what now you can leave it in for, I think, seven mm-hmm. years. Obviously, that's a long time. And so month by month, that's a significantly lower cost than something like buying your birth control pills every month, right? But for most people, paying that up front is significant. That's a barrier that they're not able to, to jump over. And so we're putting 100% of that barrier on women and and they're the ones whose lives it impacts the most. I mean, can you can you talk about some of the statistics of it just can we kind of touched on in the beginning in the beginning about teen pregnancy and but do you do you have any statistics offhand of kind of just what that looks like for women mm-hmm. carrying that that burden and and I want to say too we're in a red state, we're in a very conservative state. Let's just sit, call it what it is. And so I think, you know, it's really interesting to me. There's so much anti-abortion activism here, and yet we're not actually giving women the tools to prevent the unwanted pregnancy in the first place and just kind of saying, like, well, then you maybe shouldn't have been having sex. But, like, we don't don't know these people's situation. I mean, you can be just as much in a – married heterosexual relationship and not want a child as be, you know, 16 years old, 15, whatever. Like there, there's just, we're, we're make it make right. sense is, is one thing, but can you talk about uh, the statistics of kind of what happens with, with unwanted pregnancies, women, women that have to go through unwanted pregnancy? Sure. So when, um, right before we started our project, the state's unintended pregnancy rate was around 50%. And so that's one out of every two children that were born were reported by their mother as being either mistimed or unwanted. That's crazy. Yes. Half? Half. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's- that's crazy. And that was back in the day, 2002? No, no, no. That was 2015. <laughs> Closer in the day. <laughs> oh, okay. Closer in the day. Still. The half? That is crazy. Yeah. Yes. And like I said, we know that unintended, which like unintended birth is either mistimed or unwanted. So I never wanted to be pregnant or have a baby in the first place, or I did, but not right now. I wanted it in a different time. Right. Um, and so we know that those two factors are associated with poorer health outcomes. And, you know, right now there's a lot of dialogue going on around maternal health and, you know, infant health and unintended pregnancy is tied to both of those things. I, you mentioned, you know, giving people the tools that they need. I feel so fortunate to do the work that I do and also that South Carolina has uh, an organization like New Morning on the scene because when you look at the states that are around us, that they don't have the access that we have here you know, it's just, it's scary to think of people who are in situations in other places not being able to get birth control on their terms, not be able to access right. it, not be able to get the counseling that they need. We have, we follow our state's like trends very closely. These are collected, the data is collected by like DHEC, Department of Health and Environmental Control, and they report it out. There's usually a couple of years lag time for the data set, but We found out last year that from 2017 to 2020, so four-year period, there was a 44% reduction Mm -hmm. in unwanted births. And while we cannot say that we 100% did that, there's other contributing factors, but we definitely know that we were a big 
part of that. Played a role, um, for sure. And then the kind of opposite end of that, we saw a 16% increase in planned pregnancies. So pl- planning your pregnancy is associated with better health outcomes. You tend to be healthier as the mother and the baby is healthier, and not just for the immediate, but long-term as well. Um, so what we always want that number to be going up because, as you said, 50%, one or two is a lot. We want to bring that down to just promote the overall health of the state. And you've mentioned this before, but just like the... You know, the issues with geographical access, it's on average a 37-mile travel to a um, family medicine provider. And we want to make sure that we are, like, cutting that down so that you don't have to travel. 37 miles? Oh, my God. I mean, that's an hour. Like, that is so far. Yeah. At least in South Carolina. I mean, I know if we're talking about interstate miles, that's different. But, I mean, 37 miles, that's really far. I know. It's, it's, it's tragic, but we're, we're trying to cut down on that by creating more clinical spots where people can go and um, get the services they need. I want to tell you guys about my favorite supplement company, Thorn. Our family personally uses several of their products. So I use their collagen in the morning, and then I use a few things that were recommended by my headache doctors. The reason we use Thorn is they are so high quality, highly tested. They don't have fillers like so many other supplement companies do. They have partnerships with hospitals and organizations all over the country like Mayo Clinic, Medical University of South Carolina, the UFC, huge athletic organizations. So if you are looking for high quality supplements, I always recommend Thorn. You can get 15% off any Thorn products by going to Thorn, that's Thorn with an E, thorn.com slash U slash Dabbleco. Create an account and you'll get 15% off and free shipping every time. I'll put that link in the show notes. So how how are most people like what trying to word this question correctly? Like how how are most people accessing your your services, your resources? I mean, I know you said you have like a patient advocate and kind of coordinator who Maybe the one savvy person says, okay, I'm going to call and I want to get an IUD placed in Charleston, but I got, you know, I need some help. But how, I mean, how do most people find you guys? It's a a combination of a few things. Um, One being that we have an education campaign called No Drama, and it really centers Mm -hmm. on our website, nodrama.org. And if you go to that website, you can find any of the clinical locations that we work with. Um, You can also look at different types of methods There's a chat feature that will pop up to kind of prompt, like, if you have any questions. You can also make a telehealth appointment on that website as well. Or you can work with a patient advocate, and she can help get you into whichever clinic in our network is the most convenient to you. Um, So there's multiple different ways, like, from a consumer education standpoint that we interact. um, And that also includes social media presence, we have radio ads, things like that. And then also if you, if you know, sometimes people just go into their provider's office and they have like strep throat, right? Just a, a typical right. sick visit. Um, we've also worked with the clinics that are in our network to capture those people and ask them questions about their birth control needs, even if it doesn't have something to do mm-hmm. with their like presenting problem. 
reason for the right. visit. Like yeah. I'm I'm coming in, I have the flu, but my provider notices that I am not using any form of contraception and they ask me, oh, I, you know, are you planning to become pregnant in the next 12 months? And if I say no, then that is a trigger for, okay, well, let's talk about your options. <laughs> we should talk about, yeah. right? Yeah. If you're not, then... Okay. And then, and then this also brings to mind, like, you know, this is so, it's so interesting. And we just, ugh, I mean, we just don't protect women in South Carolina, but I'm, I'm thinking about, I've even heard of, and I know this is probably extreme for most people to even think about, but it is a very real situation. If, if there's someone who's maybe in a very controlling, I'll say maybe potentially abusive what, partnership, marriage, whatever that be, and they would like to be on birth control, but for all those reasons just listed, you know, whether it's insurance or they don't have the $800 to pay for the lark or whether it's uh, pills or ring patches, whatever that is. Do you guys ever work like uh, under, I guess under the table sounds bad, but like help, help women get access in that mm-hmm. way who are, are in uh, essentially unsafe situations. But I mean, you can be absolutely again, like I keep going back to, I know people, people just kind of, and I'm sorry to stereotype and generalize like South Carolinians, but I think there are a lot of older, I'll say older, like maybe over age 40. I'm going to put myself in that category. Very conservative, I'll say white women who just think about young, dumb, young, dumb teenagers is like, that's who we're talking about. And that's not, that's not mm-hmm. it. I mean, that's just not it. It could be your friend down the street that you don't know is in an abusive marriage and they already have three or four kids and, sh- you know, a pregnancy might like push I mean, pregnant women get abused. Mm -hmm. There's a whole, like we could do a whole episode on that. But I guess my question is, you know, if anyone's listening or knows someone who might need contraception in um, a discreet way, is that something that you guys are able to help? Yeah, absolutely. You pointed out a big barrier for women if they're experiencing some kind of intimate partner violence. Um, There's also other barriers that I think people don't really consider. Like you mentioned the Affordable Care Act earlier. And I think a lot of mm-hmm. people thought that was going to be the solution, that now everyone could have access to birth control because it was covered under the ACA. But a lot of corporations, companies were able to opt out of contraceptive coverage. And yeah. if a device costs $900 out of pocket, and even if you have commercial insurance, that still is really out of reach for the majority of Americans. So that's significant. So yes, we, in order to qualify for our services, we are really thinking about people who are uninsured and underinsured. And if Mm -hmm. a person chooses to not use their insurance because of confidentiality needs, then we don't ask questions. We will cover what they need because we are about eliminating barriers. And we think that, you know, the more that you ask people for like, for example, even financial statements, like that's just a barrier to getting what you need. We don't want to do that. We don't. They may not even have it. I mean, you may, you you know, if you're in that kind of situation, you you may not have access to all that. No. And, you know, some people, some like teens, and I'm talking like maybe 18, 19, even like 20 year olds who are on their parents' insurance still, they might not want their parents to know that they are taking birth control And so we would step in at that point. Um, Another group that we do take care of that is oftentimes shocking to people is state plan beneficiaries. So if you are, Mm -hmm. um, if you have the South Carolina state employee plan, then birth Mm -hmm. control is not covered 
for dependents unless it is deemed medically necessary. And that is, that's the largest insurer in the state. And that's a lot of dependents that don't have contraceptive coverage, right? So, you know, we end up paying for a good bit of those people because they have no other option except to pay out of pocket. Yeah. I mean, and I've talked about this before when we're talking about like the HPV, we're not, we haven't, we're not even talking about sexually transmitted diseases. Like we're just talking about pregnancy. So that's a whole nother can of worms, ball of wax, whatever you want to call it. But I talk about this sometimes when I talk about the HPV vaccine, but it's like, listen, guys, I mean, you can live in this world of thinking it's, you know, whether it's your, your dependent child, sister, friend, whatever, that's, they're not going to have sex till they're in a, committed relationship at age 30. The reality is 98% of Americans are having sex before marriage. And so it's just like from a statistical reality, it's, it's happening. And we're not living in that reality. A lot of the times like head in the sand kind of, kind of situation. Mm -hmm. And Anyway, so I just it, organizations like this, I just think are so critical because um, there are so many barriers for for women who who can't talk to their parents about it, or even their whether it be their spouses, maybe for religious reasons. I mean, there's a million reasons why mm-hmm. it's like you said, so many so many barriers. So, okay, we, you mentioned nodrama.org. Where else? Where can people find you? Like you know, social media, other websites. What's what's the best way for people to, to find you? Yeah, if you're interested in what New Morning does, go to newmorning.org. And that has you know, the history of our organization and our program as well. Um, if you want to connect with me, I'm on LinkedIn, um, Sarah Kelly on there. I'm happy to um, answer any questions or share anything that I can. Um, New Morning is also on LinkedIn if you want to connect with them. And then on social media, if you want to follow along, we're on um, No Drama SC on Instagram and um, Facebook. Amazing. Well, Sarah, thank you so much for coming. Thanks for spending time with us today. And guys, as always, if you liked today's episode, please rate, subscribe, share it with your friends, share about this incredible organization, and we'll see you next week.